Mixtapes with Mike is now working in partnership with Black Circle Records, an independent record store based in Leighton Buzzard. No money is changing hands, but we will be working together on some promotions, so it would help us both out if you would take a second to follow Black Circle Records on Instagram or click the link in the show notes to check out their website. As it can be, it can only be with music when something just absolutely kind of reaches into your heart and gives you something that you didn't know you were missing. It's that's how it felt for me with Joy Division. Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. We're going to talk about each song, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. So if you're the kind of person who'd like a new mixtape every Monday, please consider subscribing, and as always, it would mean the world to me if you would take a second to leave a positive review on whatever platform you're listening on. Now, I did get some great feedback from last week's episode, but I do have to hold my hands up that there was an issue when it was first uploaded. Basically, when the file was exported, some of the tracking moved ever so slightly to the right. So for the first day of release, it sounded like the worst episode I've ever edited. But by the time I realized there was an issue, I was in Manchester hundreds of miles away from my laptop so I couldn't put it right until that evening which was done as soon as I possibly could but if you're one of those people who listened early I offer you my sincere apologies for the momentary lapse in quality. So before we get stuck into this week's episode, I wanted to take a second to tell you about two book releases that I am very excited about. Both are by previous guests of Mixtapes and both are admirable podcasters in their own right, but the two projects are very different in tone. The first is by Matt Lloyd, the host of The Skateboarder and Podcast, one of the few guests who's appeared twice. And the book is an anthology of his spoken word poetry. And it is poignant, often amusing, but always concise and impactful. So I implore you to check out his book available on Stour Valley Publishing, What You Missed. The second book release I'm championing this week is from Matt Barr and Owen Tozer of the Looking Sideways podcast, a show that focuses on action sports culture and how it influences the wider world. The book chronicles a three-week-long journey through California, starting in Ventura and ending up in San Diego. Beautifully illustrated by Owen's amazing photography and it serves as a roadmap of sorts for a series of episodes that have already been released interviewing some of the most influential people from the California action sports scene. So I implore you to check out the Looking Sideways podcast and if you can, order a copy of their beautifully produced book. Now this week's guest is an ex-pro snowboarder who is now one of the most recognisable voices in UK action sports. With a natural talent to explain counterculture to the uninitiated, his commentary on the Winter Olympics made snowboarding accessible to the outside world. And his involvement with Ski Sunday for the BBC has played a part in reshaping that show into one with a broader scope and more challenging content. This week's guest is presenter, journalist and former air guitar world champion, Ed Lee. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. It's it's amazing, no matter how far away I get from those air guitar titles, they are still 
the defining point of my career, I think. Well, you know what? Like, TV presenter is a, is a very laudable plaudit. You know, like, Ski Sunday's a legendary show. See, I've never... I got told very early on that with TV presenting, it doesn't go hand in hand with dignity. I mean, it's it's not really... It's very visible, but I wouldn't say it's the most worthy or sort of... What's the right word? It's not... It's not something that I think is going to change the world. But um, like you say, with Ski Sunday, I am very proud of what Ski Sunday does. I think if there is a TV gig that can kind of inspire people and make a difference, maybe that's the closest, one of the closer ones. Yeah, but you look at you look at the current incarnation of it compared to what it used to be. It used to be very basic sports coverage. But but now it's more explorative. Now it's more journalistic. Like the the, the piece with Phil Young recently, you know that's you you didn't get stuff like that connected to like action sports. So and that's we've we've made a lot of changes. It's it's so funny. Half the audience are just like hardcore skiers and they hate that stuff. And then there's another half of the audience who absolutely love that stuff and just fast forward the racing. So it's it's an interesting show to try and balance the audience for those pieces. But sports, I, I truly believe, and this is something I've developed over the last 15 years working on Ski Sunday with that platform, snow sports have the power to change people's lives fundamentally the environment the sport is great but the environment the the mountains literally and figuratively speaking can broaden your horizons and that underpins everything we do on the show okay now i know that you're a big music fan like uh, i know you've worked closely with christian stevenson who's a previous guest uh, i know that you've done a lot of mc work like on at live events so music is part of that whole thing so i'm curious to know how you approached making your mixtape it's, it's such a fascinating one isn't it listening to everyone else's you've got you've got that limitation of 10 tracks um thanks to my parents my siblings and all of your friends i've got i'd like to think i've got fairly broad musical tastes i've even dabbled in country at different times but it's it's very difficult i thought okay what do i want to do here do i just want to go fully down the road of my favorite music do i want to try and tell a story about how my musical taste has evolved or do i want to try and tell a story about my life and i've decided to kind of go on a bit of a a history, not from the very, very beginning, but sort of from my, yeah, I suppose it is in a way, my my independent musical awakening. So we're going through probably the first 15, 20 years. From, a, from the age that I, I started waking up around 11 or 12. It's, it's a good, it's a good way to approach it. A lot of people do the same thing. Like I've had people recently who've agonized over the mix, you know, the curation of like tracks sort of feeding into each other. But more often than not, songs as waypoints throughout your life is it's, it's a tried and tested way of like generating a really good conversation so i'm looking forward to this well that's what i thought there are some jarring if we were going for mixes there's some real jarring stuff between these but yeah it's gonna it it should hopefully create half decent conversation amazing okay so who's your first track by um first track this is a difficult one it's a mashup 
Uh, if you're listening to it on a streaming service, you won't be able to hear it as I've intended it. So I've got the be- the second best version of that. It's um, Biggie Smalls uh, is the artist. On the mashup, it's Biggie Smalls and the XX. It was put together by a guy called Wait What. Uh, and it's in the same vein as uh, Jay-Z and the Beatles uh, with that grey album. This is called The Notorious XX. And this is my pick of the tracks. If I want to get moving, if I want to... If this is my Friday night tracks, so I thought it'd be a great one to start. Okay. Oh, I mean, like... When you sent the list through, we discussed this prior to recording, and there's quite a lot of music out there that is amazing, but it's not legally consumable. You have to obtain it or rip the audio from a YouTube video. Um, So like you referenced the Grey album, like that was in heavy rotation in the snowboard shop that I worked in, you know, in my, my, my 20s. Um, and there's, then there's, there's a, there was a mashup that Mark Ronson put out where he basically, he basically nicked lyrics and sections of several sort of iconic tracks and spliced it into one whole breakbeat song. And it, and the final bit was a rip off of Coldplay's like, uh, look at the stars, just look at all their hits and how I stole their shit. <laughs> and it, 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 the censored version got played on the radio maybe three times, and then Radio One got got their sort of collar pulled. Um, and then the other good one that I I revisit quite frequently. There's a there's a most deaf freestyle that was on the first section of an episode of the Chappelle Show where they're just driving in a car, and most deaf just puts the beat into the stereo and just freestyles over the top of it, and it's some of the best rapping I've ever seen. And you can't, that's the only place you can get it. My brother most deaf. Pull up to your spot on low, shine brighter than all of the cats that got on glow. Lay in the cup like they not going no, cause if I gotta make a move dog, they not going no. This door more private, this is not faux show. It's most deaf what you call real faux show. Is they what you call gangster? Hell no. They get a little pinch and go. Yeah, it's, but it comes back to that. It's kind of it's live music, isn't it? We we had I was part of this brand, We SC, a Swedish brand, back in the late nineties. Well, ninety-nine they started. And my wife and I went up there. I, they they wanted me as an ambassador. My snowball career was over. But and I said to them, What, what do you want with me? And they were like, Yeah, we really like what you're doing. We think you're good on TV, so why don't you and we just started hanging out with them and they had these activists they called them and they were just creative people they were old skiers and uh, old snowboarders and skaters who didn't want to wear like the quicksilvers and billabongs and rip coats they were like we need good streetwear so they designed this kind of life after skate and snow brand and they had djs there was jason lee the actor slash skater there was chris Patrick, ray barbie ingmar batman and stretch armstrong was on there the legendary new york dj Right. And we the f- first party of theirs I went to it was in a quarry on midsummer. They'd put up a marquee and there was just vodka 
and live crayfish on the table and the, these little grills. People had kind of crayfish hanging off their noses and ears. <laughs> and I think it's like two o'clock in the afternoon, we're just drinking neat vodka and eating, like cooking crayfish. And Stretch started playing. And he had just, this is probably around the same kind of time as Too Many DJs when the mashup started to go mainstream. And he was cracking out. I remember there were so many, but the one that sticks in my head was an ACDC black, uh, Back in Black. Uh, with Missy Elliott, get your freak on. Yeah, and he was doing. Oh, it was just it blew my mind. And I remember my wife wetting herself on the dance floor because she was so desperate to go to the toilet, but she didn't want to leave. <laughs> well, that's that's dedication. I know she was, but we were. That was kind of how powerful it was. You're like, oh my god, just track after track after, track. and you couldn't leave because you'd never heard any of it before, and it was and it was just so so good. It was fantastic, really, really breathtaking. And I, and from then on, I've always hunted out a good mashup. And this is this is arguably my favourite of all time. Okay, so this is this is a juicy intro. Okay, so we did say that if uh, if we were look, looking at this from a, a mixed perspective, there would be some hard left turns, and we we've, we found the first one straight away. Uh, who's who's the next track by? Uh, this is one of. My all-time favourites, uh, Dinosaur Junior. And so that first track for me is kind of my Friday night. I thought I'd start with a bit of a bang, but this this was the beginning of sort of stepping outside the mainstream for me. I'd grown up on a diet of Motown and soul from my dad and just kind of, my mum was Radio 1, Radio 2, so classic pop stuff. Um, and my older brother and I had got a tape player in the lounge that we try and record the top 40 off, and there was some good... I was getting stuff from that, but then I got into skateboarding at the age of 11 and got my hands on the first few skate videos. We were going down to Bristol, and my brother and I would try and save up to buy, like, £20 VHSs back in the day, and... Dinosaur Junior were on a lot of those videos and it was a completely, for me, a completely different sound to everything else I'd come across up until then. Yeah, I've I've not listened to loads of them, but obviously through doing this show and especially after doing an episode with Christian, like he, he referenced the same record. Um, I, he mentioned you, I believe, it, during that little segment, saying that I think you both travelled like listening to this, or or whenever you are together, you listen to this quite a lot. And what the, the one observation that 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 struck me when I was listening to your mix today was they don't they don't entertain intros; they just go. Yeah, like there's a couple of the tracks on the album. Um, 
and I mean, it's worth talking about the album because Freak Scene, I think, was the first one I heard that was on um, Speed Freaks, the Santa Cruz skate video for Mike Vallely's section. And I, it's just this, yeah, it's the speed, the energy, and it's, they're really treble heavy. So there's this, you don't have that softness. It's, it's almost, I mean, dare I say, it's got that kind of, drug influence where you imagine they're all taking speed when they wanted to play this they just can't wait they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. whoa and that's what it felt like to me there was nothing nice they weren't trying to dumb this down for anyone it was to me it was like plugged me into raw energy and as an adolescent young adolescent i was like whoa this is what i'm all about okay so this is this is the wagon Okay, so moving on from Dinosaur Jr., who are we listening to next? Another, I'd say this is another big left turn. Uh, this is Radiohead. And it's not Radiohead as you might, as most people think of Radiohead, I think. When most people think of Radiohead, they'll think of kind of Paranoid Android, uh, the Benz, um, maybe some of the more recent stuff. But I'm coming at this. This was very much for me. I'd got a job uh, at White Line Snowboard Magazine in 1998. And I was based in Oxford. At the time, Radiohead were the center point of the music scene in Oxford. But for me, I was starting to dig into some really interesting alternative electronic music there were some great bands around at that time and this pick could quite easily have been boards of canada uh fortet aphex twin or um but there was kind of a reason I, like, the fact that we were in oxford on um uh ablett road where ss20 were um our house actually backed onto south park and to launch this album, Radiohead came back and played a homecoming gig in South Park. It was the first time they'd come back and played Oxford since they'd gone with Massive, with Paranoid Android. And it was it was spectacular. It's one of the best, most emotional gigs I've been to. But I was so smashed, and I remember it because I was so smashed by the end of the gig we'd got so excited and we'd actually unbelievable because we lived on the back of the park we'd had four tickets delivered through the front door because the noise pollution was going to be so big we couldn't believe it we gave them free tickets to a massive radiohead gig but they played paranoid android right at the end and you know that section was like ah, ah, ah. Uh, and this guy in front of me, I can I can see his face. He was as deep and as into the music as you could ever be. But I was I'd got way too excited way too early, and I sang, "I did it my." <laughs> this guy just looked. I'd, I'd utterly ruined it for him. I'd I'd destroyed like the musical zenith of his life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Such a dick. Such a... And it's, I'm, I'm actually not. But And so I remember it so vividly because my timing was perfect and I'd been a complete dick. And, the, and I tried desperately to apologise to him and he could see I was a mess, so he wanted nothing to do with me. But I was really... I'm always really impressed, and you'll see this becomes a theme by bands who don't get stuck in ruts. Mm-hmm. And I have so much respect for Radiohead because of that. I love the bends that got me into it. I could take or leave Paranoid Android. There's moments, and, and OK Computer, I loved, and there's real moments of brilliance in there. But I love the fact, I love bands who really go out there. And for me, um, the album Kid A did that for Radiohead. Oh well, yeah, I mean, you said this was like another left turn at the beginning of this section, but this was a left turn for them as a band. Massively. And I don't, I don't know that that many people like it, but for me, it kind of linked together a lot of the shoegazing alternative rock I was into, and then this electronic music that I was finding. And this, this was one of those middle grounds. I really, really enjoyed this album. I've, it might have just been time and place for me, and the fact that I... I do really enjoy when bands kind of go out and experiment. Okay, so this is? This is uh, the title track of the album Kid A. Did you listen to Baldy's episode last week, or not the week before? No, I haven't. So you, he going? So, so you, you, you know Baldy from the TSA in Tamworth, right? You, you must have crossed paths with him. I have met him very briefly uh, right. a long time ago. Well, well his he, he, the reason we did his episode a couple of weeks ago is because he was releasing a, a new EP, and he does like that kind of alternative electronica. Um, and so, if, so if you're into Kid A and Orteca and and all the and Boards of Canada especially, it's well worth checking out. It, it's called Three Songs for Winter. It's on all the major kind of streaming things. Um, but it's, it's really good. It's kind of it's kind of funny because like he, we have this sort of sibling relationship through working in TSA for so long, and he's like the older brother who who forced me to broaden my musical horizons. Um, and he's you know he. He can be a dick with it. It's quite often, you know, his modus operandi. But um, it was quite funny to watch, see him in this sort of submissive subject kind of interview where he had to kind of behave. It was, <laughs> and then because he because he's very forthright in his opinions on everything music. But the second it was talking about his own kind of creative output, like he suddenly got very timid and shy and didn't. Well, oh, you know, you probably won't like it, you know, kind of thing. But to see him squirm when I told him that I liked it, and I was like, "You should be really proud of this." And he was like, "Yeah, <laughs> it's just funny to watch him squirm." But it's that's it, isn't it? In, and I've I've listened to so many podcasts about this in recent uh, years, where the courage to put yourself out there is one of the major blocks for a lot of people. I mean, I I do it in a TV presenting sense, but. You can always just, you're relying, you're like the glue, you're not the meat. And and when you're the meat, when you're making music, you're, there's nothing else to distract you. There's nowhere to hide. The music is front and center and it's, mm-hmm. it's huge. But then looking at these 
looking at making these choices, I always feel like I always feel like it's it's pretty reductive when you when you go at someone for their musical taste. Like it's it's just what appeals to you. It's it's what speaks to you. It's very I I'm not a big fan of sermonizing about my taste. I know I have some real guilty pleasures in there. Mm-hmm. So it's like this is definitely the cooler end of my selection, but <laughs> Okay. So moving on from Radiohead, who's up next? Uh this is where your previous guest, Christian Stevenson, and I uh kind of meet. Our music we've got very, very different musical tastes, but I've always like Christian's introduced me to so much good music and I'd come across The Clash before but I hadn't delved deep into the um to their archive and this was a revelation to me and it became the theme song to or I say the theme song but it was one of the tracks that would get played pretty regularly on our first radio show the rock copter arguably the most ridiculous radio show no that's not fair but just a a very very bizarre radio show that we got to make on a wednesday night do you know what shamefully i can't remember the name of the radio station (laughs) well well i know he was at kerrang for a while right no, it was prior. So let me give you some context. We used to do this TV. We were filming three or four days a week in um, just on the north end of Soho in London. And Christian somehow through some weird hookup. I nearly had it then. Something like Rock FM or something. But it was, uh, we used to skate on Wednesday nights from Soho down to Putney Bridge. Fulham Palace Road, there was this uh, pub on the corner there. I can't even remember the name of the pub. That's how bad I am. Got a memory like Swiss cheese. And we used to, above the pub was this just dusty old room packed with vinyl and CDs. We used to go up and do an hour-long show. So I'd have a pint in the pub, go upstairs, just talk and play an hour's worth of music, probably only seven or eight tracks. And then go over the road and have fish and chips in the maddest... Did Christian tell this story? No. The maddest fish and chip shop you've ever been in, run by these two brothers. And the fish and chips were absolutely stunning. Homemade tartar sauce, like really quality oil in the fryers, done at the right temperature so the batter would just melt in your mouth like... and then fizzle away. One of the brothers was one of the heaviest partiers I've ever come across. And the other brother was gay and probably the most promiscuous man I've ever come across. <laughs> so the, we'd get in there. Like the, it was unbelievable. We'd get in there at 10 o'clock and we'd have had a couple of pints while doing the radio show. And Anita Pallenberg, uh, one of Keith Richards' most famous muses, used to drink in the pub downstairs because she ran um, a sort of secondhand designer, like pretty much a designer thrift store two doors down from the pub. So we'd get her to come up. She'd tell stories about, like I asked her, I said, look, you're a, you're a seasoned uh, player. Like what makes an, uh, the ideal penis? <laughs> like, what, what makes a good penis? 
with she didn't miss a beat. She'd got this heavy smoker's voice. She said, "It's all about the girth. The length has nothing to do with it." It's like okay, interesting. It's like it's like packing a cannon. Like you, you've got to if you can't pack the width, then you'll get no explosion. <laughs> right, okay, thanks, Anita. We used to go over the road. So you'd have Anita, Christian, whoever you'd picked up from the pub. You'd go and sit in the pub. And then Gary and Alan, these two brothers, would recount the most insane stories of partying in London that I'd ever heard. It made me feel like Mary Poppins. I felt like such a goody two-shoes next to these guys. It was, yeah, it was spectacular. They, they were really, really good times. And for me, this is the soundtrack to that time. Okay, so this is? This is Train in Vain. So moving on from The Clash, who are we listening to now? This is Joy Division. And I've, I've everything you hear about Joy Division, I think most people agree. The time, the place, and what they went on to become in New Order, you, I feel like they're, I, I'm somewhere, my, my centre point of music would be somewhere between rock and electronic and this this is a center point so much of the other music that i listen to i find feeds back to this constantly every time i revisit joy division there's there's that sort of there's elements of everything else i love there and it feels constant like you go through the albums and they constantly feel fresh but i've got this great memory of christian and i were djing the marseille bowl riders in the south of France and they wanted like the skaters there's there's an emotional damage to skaters at a certain level I've always said this and I, I explained it to my son recently he desperately wants to be a skater and I've said you just don't have the rage like skaters good skaters like bowl skaters transition skaters like concrete chargers invariably have some kind of emotional damage which creates a rage within them and marseille you'd kind of we'd go around all the skaters and try and get playlists off them and it it was just the gnarliest metal and punk yeah like we couldn't dj you weren't djing for a crowd there like slayer metallica mastodon were all seen as sort of metal light the, the music that Christian, like this was before, what was this, 2002, 2003, 2004, so no streaming services. We'd be going around the most obscure record shops that we could find in London, trying to collect the music we needed for Marseille Bowl Riders. And we'd get, like Slayer would just about cut the mustard as the kind of old classic, but we couldn't find hard enough music for it. But it was an, absolute joy not that i don't love metal but tony alva came up and we'd i can't remember i think we'd put joy division on and he skipped out of the bowl halfway through to come up and tell us that he fucking loved this song it's like 
I, this is what I'm into. And then he just dived back in at full pelt. This legend of skateboarding that you share this musical link with, and it's just like, yes. Okay, we've got something right today. Because most of the day, you're just hammered for not playing hard enough metal. And then finally, you had something right from one of the, the key players there. It was, I remember, yeah, it was, it was one of those moments. Oh my God, yes. It is crazy when you when you when you meet someone that you respect and admire, um, because they've been so impactful in this in this world that you've been immersed in for so long, and when you find like a common ground, you're just like, holy shit! It is amazing. The look on his face is how I imagined my own look. The look on my own face when I first heard them, it was kind of everything makes sense mm-hmm. to me when I. I was, oh, why have I not heard this before? It was just that real sort of, as it can be, it can only be with music when something just absolutely kind of reaches into your heart and gives you something that you didn't know you were missing. It's That's how it felt for me with Joy Division. Track after track. It wasn't you listen to the album and there's there's one on there. You'd listen to one and then the next one comes in and then the next just, yeah. You feel like you're swelling. I still, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it when, when I started listening to Joy Division. That's, that's how powerful it was for me. Amazing. So this is? This is Disorder. Okay, so that is Joy Division. Who's up next? Oh, this this is, uh, I wonder if it'll be quite divisive, but the reason I chose this is for the same reason that we touched on with Radiohead and Kid A. Okay. There's, there's a lot of the Chemical Brothers music that I really don't like, but there's a lot of the Chemical Brothers music that I absolutely love. And both uh, orally and visually. What they've done in terms of how challenging a lot of their music videos were and how, how they worked to link the visuals, everything that you saw with the music, uh, with everything that you heard. Um, and the Exit Planet Dust, the first Chemical Brothers album came out I think in the September or the October, might have even been a little bit closer before my second ever season. So I ha- I took the cassette out for my second ever snowboard season and everyone else I was in the apartment with was Tool and Pantera, bands that I love. But this, I loved Exit Planet Dust. I used to, I, I, I tried riding with it on a Walkman and uh, nearly broke both my legs jumping off a cliff that I hadn't even bothered to spot. So that, that ended that foray, but it's what I listened to to get charged up because we didn't have a, this was pre being able to afford a TV or a video in your apartment. So you literally, you listened to music before you went out riding in the morning. And I didn't get to get mine on very often on the rotation of the stereo, but I kept the Chemical Brothers have always held a place in my heart because of that and that se- uh, the season after they came out 
And this this speaks to how um, influential snowboarding was at this time. The Prodigy and the Chemical Brothers played in Val d'Isere in December to get a free snowboard holiday, I think. And we got to we got to go and see them in Ladai in this open field, no tickets, sneaking under the fences. It was unbelievable. So, and for that reason, they they hold a really really strong place in my heart, and they're intrinsically linked to snowboarding with me. Yeah, I I got brought into the Chemical Brothers by an ex-girlfriend years ago, and. The, the first, I mean, I was aware of uh, Setting Sun and Block Rock and Beats because they had charted quite heavily. But I, I heard a song, um, oh, what's the, the album with the black cover and the white silhouette? Uh, dig, dig Your Own Hole. Dig Your Own Hole. Uh, and there's a track uh, with Beth Orton doing the guest vocals yes. on it. And it was used on the trailer for, for Vanilla Sky. And I turned to my girlfriend at the time, I don't know who that's by, but I need that piece of music. And she was just like, that's Chemical Brothers. Like, I've got that. Yeah, and, and, you, like, and at one end of the spectrum, you've got this really chart-friendly electronica. And at the other end, you like the guitars in that, the kind mm -hmm. of industrial grinding. And that was it. Like, every album, it wasn't... We talked about Joy Division, where you know what you're getting. Mm -hmm. But like that style of music spoke to me. We've, like so many. Yes, you'd get themed albums, but even within the album, you'd get some really challenging stuff. Yeah, and ever since then, I've had a real fondness for all of the guest vocal tracks that they've had on all the subsequent albums because they've had some absolute belters. The No Gallagher ones were great. Uh, you know, there's uh, Ian. Ian Ashcroft uh, on Star Guitar, and um, they've so many good guest vocals. And then I, uh, I always think of that, how you have, like the, the way they worked so hard on the visuals to pull that in. You mentioned Star Guitar, that like just the looping train journey, yeah, where you're adding in those small elements. Then you've got uh, Galvanize where you kind of go into that industrial, super aggressive dancing, like crunk mm -hmm. kind of Brazilian clubs that where the kids sneak in, they're just those stories. And it's one of the reasons, like the music on this track is so beautiful, but the video is absolutely breathtaking. And that has, that has a huge part in my love of this track. Yeah. The, the... I marvel at their setup. Um, one of the previous guests from the original run of mixtapes told me that whenever they set up at one gig, there is a second unit with all of the same analog synths who go on to the next venue because it takes so long to set up because it, the majority of their kit is analog. No way. So, so they, really? So how expensive must that be? logistically to pay another crew to, to go on ahead, set up the next gig, and then the previous gig leapfrogs over to do a tour. That's insane. Have you, I've just remembered, I've just remembered the best, and this is a hidden gem. Uh, I found it, I travel heaps. And, uh, I, well, I used to travel heaps, I haven't done, I'm on my first bit of travel in nine months, but I found, weirdly, this was back in the day when 
you get some pretty avant-garde. A lot of airlines now, they, they went out and got some really challenging content, I found, in the kind of 2000, early 2010s. And there was some like, full playlists of videos. And there was one Chemical Brothers track that I found on the back end of an Air New Zealand flight. Get Yourself High? Have you ever come across that? No. Don't rely on us. Get yourself high. Now, the track is, it's actually a pretty rad track. It's got a lot of scratching. It's kind of got a little bit of um, kind of almost 80s hip hop mm -hmm. about it. But the video is mental. They've chalked up this old kind of 70s Japanese uh, kung fu flick. And then they've, they've somehow morphed in voices and they've put like an enormous ghetto blaster on the front of the hero and he's kind of busting into a dojo for a fight and then but he's singing all of the lyrics and there's a rap section go and find it chemical brothers get yourself high it's it's a triumph truly one of their best videos and the total hidden gem okay so but but what track have you picked for your mixtape ed uh, this is one of my favorites you mentioned the guest vocalists he's a perennial favorite of mine as well uh, this is the chemical brothers and beck with wide open. Okay, so moving on from the Chemical Brothers, who are we listening to now? Um. I don't know how much of a left turn this one is. And I, you know what? Shamefully, I know nothing about these two. It's Grenier and Archie Palego, two producers in their own right who got together and came up with this album. And it's, I've always been a really big fan. My mum was, my mum got me into uh, contemporary classical music, uh, stuff like Penguin Cafe Orchestra when I was very young. That used to, she had a tape that she used to crack out fairly regularly. And I sort of went out of, I didn't really know where to look for that. The record shops I was going into as a teenager just didn't have that. It was kind of grunge and rave eras. And you couldn't find much. Like I, I remember sort of flicking through in the cassette era, I'd be in HMV or R Price. Uh, or we had a couple of, even in Gloucester where I grew up, we had a couple of half-decent independent record shops, but there was just nothing in that vein. And I didn't really know what I was looking for. But uh, I remember coming back in between seasons and I'd met more people. I was starting to broaden my musical tastes around sort of 21, 22. And I started finding this lovely, I suppose we go back to Boards of Canada and Fortet, this, this beautiful blend between classical music and electronic. There was this lovely, rich vein of music starting to get explored. And I've followed that. I'd say if I have a strong, a sort of strong musical taste, this is it. And I'd say the Grenier and Archie Palago are one of the bands, but in the same, like John Hopkins, definitely in the same vein. Luke Abbott, Gold Panda, Tycho, Chiasmos. But I love, this album is spectacular. And there's, it's almost Balearic in some senses, but it's, it's, 
It's lovely. It's just got a warmth to it and a softness. I love this. Reminds me of um, sort of hot summers. I used to, I used, to, I was very lucky for a long period. I, I earned zero money. I think I earned 15 quid and a bit of rope in Greece, uh, windsurf instructing for a few summers. But I used to work like a dog in between uh, summer and winter to try and get enough money to go and do a winter. But I'd get to laze around on a beach in Greece. Uh, and this takes me there. This is the kind of music I was listening to. Okay, so this is? This is Navigator. Following on from Grenier and Archie Pelago, who is who's up next? You went with the Pelago, didn't you? I did. I, well, it's <laughs> the first time I read it today. <laughs> um, this this is Caribou. So we're staying in. This is the first time we haven't taken a big left turn. I think I I absolutely love his music. I absolutely everything he does. Again, it's. It can get really challenging in places. I definitely don't love all of it, but that's why I love it. And I have I have a moment with this track in particular where you kind of have kids. I think a lot of people in their 40s will be able to relate to this. You have kids. And ha I grew up in the Forest of Dean, surrounded by, in the 90s, surrounded by some great music. Like there was EMF, uh, we had some incredible, we had an incredible underground rave scene. We could get into some, we had Bristol just down the road, Massive Attack, Portishead, um, and some really, really good DJs, some amazing nights out in Bristol. And so I've spent my time kind of in fields and sweaty clubs. And I'm, you move to New Zealand and you wonder, if those days are behind you, you sort of I find it's really hard when you're making new friends in your 40s to find that you can't go out and do those stupid things that you did when you were 19, 20, kind of riding around on top of cars in fields and like getting lost and chased, getting chased through hedgerows. Like, I'm not going to go into too much detail and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, incriminate I, myself, but we, we, we have I enough, found myself when we, we have enough friends <laughs> in common. Here. We have enough friends in common for me to know that your exploits are many and legendary. Um, but uh, but I understand you you know you're a professional broadcaster now, so I won't push you to recount any of them now. Uh, well, it suffice to say that like anyone, I had I had some good years where I was testing where the limits were and I arrived in New Zealand and it's hard to I think it's hard to find friends that in your 40s when you're sort of challenged with moving to a new place and to be fair I went there in my mid-30s but I I found some friends in my just as I arrived in my 40s who sort of I found amazing common ground with again really really just 
people with a massive appetite for fun and they'd have these wonderful parties. New Zealand has got a really rich music scene and it's got some of the most incredible venues. And I found myself at this party with some of these friends and I heard Caribou for the first time. And it's kind of in that lovely sort of hot, I'd put it in the same part of the library as Hot Chip, LCD sound system, yeah. Daft Punk even. Um, but this friend of mine who's six foot three, it was a fancy dress party and the theme was dead rock stars. I'd gone as Joe Strummer. Um, he's six foot three and he'd come as Alison Moyer. <laughs> and, he was, <laughs> and he was absolutely having it to can't do without you. So that is an image I'll leave you with for this track. Uh, like I have a similar sort of relationship with Caribou. Some stuff I absolutely love some stuff I can kind of take or leave but like I, I was lucky enough to see him live in a small warehouse gig in Digbeth in Birmingham and wow and I, I've got a lot of appreciation for people who are multi-instrumentalists so he would he would jump from like percussion to bass and at one point he jumped on a second drum kit and matched his drummer beat for beat and in some of those really sort of sort of samba-esque breakdowns that are in some of the sort of tail ends of his tracks, like they're li it's literally like watching the same drummer. And I was astounded by it. That is, it's phenomenal, isn't it? Because you can't, you it's why you get robbed if you can't see these bands. In those moments, you talked about that Mostef freestyle mm -hmm. earlier, like those moments that you just, you know, you're not getting when, and we, as we started, this is kind of full circle in a little way, like to that mashup, like going and finding, you have to get out there. You can't just sit on streaming services and it's what the pandemic has stolen from us in that sense. It's so important to experience these, these artists live. I can't wait to stand shoulder to shoulder with strangers and watch a band live. You can't, you can't. Oh, you couldn't you couldn't imagine doing it like right now could you like just standing like crammed in a room with a bunch of people you'd never met before i've got to say i went uh this same group of friends uh one of the women had a 40th back in november and we were in new zealand where the pandemic had been controlled and there are no restrictions mm -hmm. and we went to this house out on the east coast of the North Island. It's called the Coromandel, White Sound Beaches. She'd rented a big farmhouse with a couple of fields next to a campsite. And we had 85 of us for a weekend. And the Sweet Mix Kids, one of the best, uh, so where would you put them? Very, they sort of, they're building tracks as they go. You've kind of got mashups. They, hired a classical violinist to just dance around while they played their set. And he just sort of, he'd come up behind people and just add his little flourishes to whatever tracks he was playing. And I hadn't, yeah, you get, you're like, whoa, the violinist behind me. And he was, he was wearing this giant floral one piece. It was fantastic. It was just billowing in the wind. Um, and he, that, yeah, that was the first time I'd felt that. And I, I hadn't had that for so long. Sharing those moments as a collective, it was just, 
unbelievable. And I had no idea how much I'd missed it. And I'm now on the end of a nine week run. I'm coming up on nine weeks of single bub person bubble living. So the idea of doing that is just out of this world to me. I, I can't imagine it right now. It's, yeah, I can't wait for it. But at the same time, when's the right time, you know? Yeah, because it, that's it, isn't it? Especially if you're going inside, that's one of the that's one of the biggest risks. It should it'll be one of the last things to get yeah. opened up. So, which caribou track have you picked? This is can't do without you. So, moving on from Caribou, who are we listening to now? One of the greatest ever bands. I know I've said that a lot through here, but I don't think you can underestimate, you, well, you just can't underestimate Talking Heads' impact on the world of music. And, and I always think of, like, your musical taste is a changing tide, isn't it? There's so many things that ebb and flow. You get into different bits, but... Um, I just, there's nothing about David Byrne's music that I ever go off. It's constantly, if I had to make a top three, there'd be a Talking Heads track in there, no matter when you asked me, I think. Yeah, I like, I think when I was younger, I was aware of Talking Heads and, and I knew that they were kind of revered. And then it was when they were used in the intro for Afterbang. And they just became, and for the benefit of the listener who has no idea about snowboarding, Afterbang was this sort of seminal snowboard movie that kind of reinvented the genre in a way, because for a long time um, it was it was amazing riding set to hip hop or punk rock, and then along comes this film that just goes in a different direction musically, uh, beautifully shot, and the the intro section. Uh, was was by Talking Heads, and I think that that was the sort of real aha moment for me because you would watch that video so many times because we consume sort of skate and snowboard videos like people would listen to albums. You know, we exactly we consume and that was a mixtape. Exactly, we you know we watch it time and time and time again, and the more you are exposed to it, the more that song is just ingrained. You know, like like whenever I hear that track, I can see the robot costume walking down the road and uh, you know it's that, that that's you know that song will now always be with me and that was the moment that kind of really opened me up to talking heads and, and what made me want to go deeper i first time i heard it I'd, I'd heard bits on the radio um but i remember hearing once in a lifetime in a back room of the hacienda before it closed down and it just my head came off oh my god and then obviously when I buried myself just immersed myself in the entire back catalogue but I I find it interesting how how broad David Byrne's influence is across music now I think it's 
it's truly vast like this you can hear it in so much stuff that kind of talk singing i always feel like i can nearly sit like i've got a terrible voice very limited range but i always feel like i can nearly sing along to talking heads as well <laughs> any track that gives you that confidence is 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 a gift <laughs> All right, so on this one, this one especially, I'll be my eyebrows will be knitted trying to sing along with this one. It could probably raise tears if I focused hard enough. <laughs> so this is uh, this must be the place. Okay, so moving on from Talking Heads, we find ourselves at your final track. But before we get stuck into that, um, I saw you posted the other day on Instagram about a cause called Protect Our Winters. And I, I, I'm just curious, if anything else, if you could maybe sort of shed a little bit like of, of what that cause is all about. Uh, it's born of and it, being in the mountains and seeing climate change quicker than anyone else. But if you live, what I, I, I call it, if you live up high, I've spent a lot of time in snowy places, which means at altitude or at very high northern or southern latitudes. And if you live in urban areas closer to sea level, then there's no daily, you, you're not seeing climate change on a daily basis. So it's hard to think about it, but I'm confronted with it every season. Every season, these places that I visit, I see massive change. And to that end, I try and do everything I can to support, protect our winters. It's, it's something tangible. Like, I always think that climate change feels like this issue that needs to be tackled at a very high level. And arguably, it's corporations and governments who need, need to do it. But protect our winters acts as as something tangible that we can get involved in on a daily basis. Yes, you can recycle. Yes, you can focus on all the, the normal things, reducing your emissions by driving less or traveling less or um, finding electric, like going for an electric or hybrid car, all of those things. But Protect Our Winters is focused on lobbying government and uh, creating change at, at a personal level. So. If you go on the website, protectourwinters.uk, then there's some really lovely little um, pieces. that. And I, I say this to any, anyone. If you don't believe in or you don't care about climate change, that's absolutely fine. But surely if you knew that it was going to make the planet, if it was going to save you money and it was going to make the planet healthier. So the idea that if you looked at pollution from fossil fuel industries killing 7 million people a year uh, around the world. That's probably one reason. And then, yeah, if you went in for a pitch now and tried to pitch fossil fuels against renewables, just wouldn't get through the door. You're like, yeah, we're going to spend a lot of money digging this stuff out of the ground, and then we're going to burn it once. It's going to be awesome. And, yeah, it'll, it'll poison a few people, but that's fine. And then you think... No, we can use wind, solar, hydro, uh, nuclear. Like it is, it's not completely 
clean, but it's certainly cleaner than fossil fuels. Like up against those, it just doesn't work. But there's this addiction there. And Protect Our Winters are offering ways to get around that, to become activists. So there's a one-click stop. You can go and look at your energy provider. You can click there, write in who your energy provider is, and they promise if you're not on, I think there's three of the cleanest providers, they'll save you 50 quid a month on your power bill and turn it to a green power bill. They'll show you which the ethical banks are who aren't investing in fossil fuels. So you can make decisions that will save you money and save the planet. And then you decide. There's, there's a peace system on there as well about uh, so if you don't ski or snowboard you have green pistes are pretty much flat up to black pistes which are as death defying as they come and you can there's there's different levels of activism that you can go on so you can just put a post on facebook and raise awareness of climate change in the green one or you can go up through the gears and start organizing events on regional and national levels so go and go and check it out protect our winters uk uh, and yeah, you'll see some really nice accessible ways that you can get involved in community projects to help climate change. Amazing. Okay, so who is your last track by? Well, I feel really bad now having put this track at the end because I, I actually have, and I didn't want to make a totally melancholy shoegazing playlist. So I've done my best to uplift it, but I am, I, always, I don't know if this is true or not, but I have, I'm a really positive, optimistic person. And in my private time, if I'm on a long drive, if I'm not listening to music communally, I have very melancholy tastes. I really love a bit of sadness and bringing myself down. And I don't know if that's to kind of regulate myself, the natural happiness I have. But I love Elbow. I think Guy Garvey's lyrics are just fantastic. It's poetry and music, as so much good music is, but this really resonates with me. And this track especially, having come from the Forest of Dean, the older I get, the more unwarranted I think my feelings as a kid were, but I had this very, very strong sensation as a kind of 14 to 20 year old that, well, technically it was kind of 13 to 16. As a skateboarder and then snowboarder, Gloucester had nothing for me and I could not wait to leave. I left when I was 16, sort of ran away to Chelmsford of all places. I thought that that was slightly more exotic, but yeah, there was, there was no skateboarding, there was no snowboarding, there was no action sports happening in Gloucester and I had this romantic idea that I needed to get out to become to find my true self and and this song's about that a little way okay so this is this is color fields the secret shame mail gown of your father's blessing bright girl dead town open mouths for miles around Ed, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about music. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been an absolute pleasure, Mike. Really, really enjoyable. Very self-indulgent and very enjoyable. Thank you for having me.
so that concludes this week's episode and what an episode it was uh, I have followed Ed's work for an awful long time I came up through the action sports industry from the age of 18 and I'm still there now so he's kind of been omnipresent so it was such a pleasure to sit down and talk to him because he's such an entertaining storyteller and on that tip if you want to hear more outrageous stories from Mr Ed Lee you should definitely check out the 150th episode of Looking Sideways because I listened to it last week and laughed out loud more times than I care to mention. As always, we've kept the music discussed played below the conversation because I believe that all musicians should be paid for what they do. But if you want to listen to the mixtape in full, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. But for now, I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike. Right girl, dead sound.